Welcome to the Long Come Norwich podcast as Punt and I light up a ciggy and think about last night. What a night. Seven. 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 Proper football writer types Hannah Shaddock and Paul Buller are along for the ride and there's only one place to begin. Seven slices of heaven at Carrow Road. Hannah, time for you to pick your favourite goal. I think I've got to go for the second one. Um, if I think I've got, I mean, I've completely lost track of the order, but uh, Emmy's assist basically from inside his own half and then the emphatic Pookie finish. I mean, I couldn't I couldn't get over that assist. I was like, is that, did I just see that? Is that actually where he was um, when he <laughs> when he passed that ball? I mean, it was insane. I, I feel like every single week he does something else that, um, yeah, you can kind of barely believe. So yeah, that's got to be my favourite. There was a sublime uh, still shared on social media of the point at which he hit it, and it shows that the, the halfway line is only just in view on the yeah. on, on the I camera. I think I saw shot. it, and it was like an assist from here, and that's exact was that was exactly the thought that went through my mind. I was like, "There's no way that just happened," but uh, it did. Yeah, hell, hell of a pass, hell of a finish. Uh, Paul, what about you? What, the pick of the the remaining six. Oh, it's so hard. And thank you, Hannah, for not choosing the one that I decided to choose. And I had to look at all the goals again just before we, we started recording because there were so many and I couldn't remember all of them, which is great. Um, I'm going to go for Kieran Dowell's goal. Um, what 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 swung it for me was um, uh, Norwich, uh, the club released um, some, of the, some of the sideline footage uh, of that goal. Um, I think it was this morning or late last night. Uh, sort of from the corner post behind the goal, wherever it was. And you just, the movement that you see between Emmy and Kieran Dowell is so, so good. And dare I say it, it reminds me of watching Iniesta and Messi in the new Camp uh, in actual Barcelona. It was that good. I, I'm just, I'm blown away by it. And you even managed to fit in a nice humble brag there. No, that, that I think you're com- you're completely right. And, and it actually reminded me of shades of... Um, uh, shades of watching Arsenal at their pomp. That that was what it made me think of. Mm. Um, you know, Burkamp and Henri and and that kind of, and, and also Henri and Perez. The the way they, a lot's been made of Emmy and um, Pukki's mind meld. The, the fact that they are on the same wavelength, but it almost seems like almost anyone who plugs into that front four in the last two three months, in particular, Emmy seems to just automatically snap them into his his mindset. Um, punt, go on then. You've got you've got four left to choose from, five left to choose from. Well, Paul had just stolen my thunder, and I'll and I will tell you why I was going to pick that one, and then I'll tell you why I'm I'm just going to pick another one for the purposes of of being different. Um, it was Dow's goal, and it was Dow's goal because, like Paul, I just watched it back on YouTube and the club highlights, and I'd, I'd originally watched it on Sky Sports last night, so I hadn't heard Chris Gorham and um, and Grant Holt, and it's it's Grant Holt's reaction to it. He as the ball's kind of going through, so Dale kind of chips it. Emmy takes it on his on his chest, and Holty kind of knows exactly what's going to happen, and he goes on to kind of mess his pants in quite a good way, like just kind of fawning over this goal and just kind of saying, "Oh my god!" You know, it was like, "Oh, oh, oh my god!" You know, kind of it was <laughs> proper. You know, when Harry met Sally moment. You know, in, in that respect, it, well, it was it was just the fact that a professional footballer had had seen that from a really good vantage point on the gantry and kind of recognised it for what it was. But I will kind of give special mention to Emmy's goal purely because 
it's I love a goal where it hits the woodwork and then it just kind of pings along the goal netting which it does if you watch it again it kind of just flies across you know kind of horizontally um which was lovely and it's such a pure strike as well so yeah I'll have two yeah I also think Paul got the right answer and, and that would have been my my choice um I hate the fact that we always let guests go first on these things but mm-hmm. um yeah I, I think you're right and I will pick out a third thing that um on on that particular goal and that is the exactly what you said um, with regards to the the footage that was released, um, I'm really looking forward to. I think it's called the City View, um, the one that they show. That's kind of the, the all the non kind of broadcast TV angle stuff. The guy that the guy that's walking around with the phone that he collects. I, I quite enjoy watching that after a victory, of which there's been many this season. Um, but yeah, when that was released, I, the thing I picked up on was the faces of the um, of the Huddersfield defenders. So as the ball is is plopped over, I think it's Stearman's head. Um, uh, Keo sort of turns um, and and sort of faces the camera and and, and he doesn't even run back because he just goes oh they've, they've, they've done it again and I think it's O'Brien who's pounding the pounding the the goal line and saying it's too bleeping easy um, and it's just like well yeah but I saw a lot of commentary on this today about you know you often look at results like this and they always do this on match of the day you know what was um, was was team A really good or was team B really bad and I I honestly think that. No championship team, unless they're in as good a form as us, effectively, um, are stopping. Yeah, okay, might not have been seven, but Norwich get four goals against pretty much anyone but whoever the the, the champions are in every given championship year. Um, playing like that last night, I mean, because when you look at the, the the goals and the movement, and you know, I, I'll be honest, I watched everything quite a few times last night, um, and then a few times again today. Um, the the movement, the speed with which we're moving the ball, they're not actually that far away from them. The, the Huddersfield players are not actually. It's not like we're in yards and yards of space and they can't get near us. They just as just as they go to clo- close us, the ball has moved. So so you think um, it's not like you can pick loads of holes in the way they defended it. It's just when we took our chances and we've been saying that this has been coming for a long time and. It, Last night was just an example of if you take all your chances, that's how you end up with the result. And we hit the bar as well, didn't we? So it could have been even yeah. worse. And Steepy could have scored an eighth at the end. Uh, I, I think you made a really good point, Tom. And I think the reason for it was was the intensity levels. I haven't seen Norwich press like that and be as intense as that in the kind of attacking third forever. I think that was probably the best that I've, I've seen us do that. It, it was ridiculous. And chief kind of tormentor in that respect was probably Todd Cantwell. I thought that was one of the best games he's had in a city shirt. And yet he didn't even win, you know, either the sponsors or the the sky man of the match. I think he was ridiculously good and, and everything seemed to flow through him. And it was really nice. Actually, it was the first time I've properly seen Todd and Emmy kind of embracing after goals. And it was probably, you know, it's probably happened before, but it's the first time I've picked up on it that there are two creative sparks that maybe, you know, could have been in competition with each other are just completely in unison and you know those two dovetail really nicely with Dow and you know their output is just phenomenal at the moment but it is it's that collective kind of front four that I think because they've got the defensive shield behind them and that they know that skips you know all energy and and reads it really well and and McLean's in, in the form of his life they've just got license to go and do it now yeah well I, I'm just looking at the stats and um I'm not quite sure where 
where Huddersfield's thirty-one percent of possession came in kickoffs and goal kicks can't be can't be thirty-one percent, but there there didn't seem to be a great deal more of that when they had the ball. Um, so Hannah, going back to, to to watching that game and enjoying it, let, we, we haven't actually podded for for a good couple of weeks because of the way that the international break fell. Um, but just looking back a little bit on on the run that's obviously culminated in this this fantastic display. You know, we haven't lost for ages, and you know, scoring goals for fun. And okay, we we had a couple of draws, but then you know, the chasing pack of drop points as well. So they didn't matter either. What would you say is um, riffing off the back of what Punt said there about an embrace between Todd and, and Emmy? Is there anything that has started to to come to the fore that you've noticed over the last few games in this great run that that maybe wasn't there earlier in the season? Oh, that's a good one. Because I work in the weekend, at the weekends and in yeah, evenings a lot of the time, I haven't been able to watch every single game. Um, so I didn't get to watch the draw on Friday, which was probably um, a good thing because <laughs> uh, I did get a full debrief from my dad. So I feel like I'm, I'm up to speed. But um, I guess the thing that stands out is, is the kind of sense of... Um, momentum and kind of growing cohesion and how that because last time I was on I think we just lost to Swansea hadn't we um and we just had our sticky patch of (laughs) not winning for two or three games um and there was a kind of vague sense of potential crisis looming uh and we predicted that like Brentford would be you know would be right up there with us Hannah Hannah don't bring this up because Tom was right and we don't like admitting that Tom was right on this podcast I mean I'm not gonna I clearly had no idea what I was talking about then um but yeah the the growing sense of just a team that is still developing and just getting better and um and the fact that we've been able to do that even after you know the international break so you would think that would sort of um put a bit of a halt to that uh but it, I mean, I know we didn't win on, on Friday, but I think by all accounts, we, we played pretty well. And the fact that we had these injuries and we had to cope with um, losing quite a few players for that game. But, you know, the kids came in and were able to kind of maintain, um, yeah, maintain that level that we've, we've, we've been able to reach over the last couple of weeks. And then I just feel like this match just was kind of the culmination of that, of this kind of, I don't know, just like unstoppable force. Yeah, there's um, an there's an inevitability. We, the way we the way we yeah, go forward exactly. at the moment, it's um, sometimes it's a bit of a cliche in commentary. You know, it's, oh, they look like they're going to score every time they're going forward. I think watching Norwich, um, particularly last night, there was a feeling from the kickoff that you now we we they were playing a bit like a five aside team where they almost expected to get to double figures mm. and they they expected to score every time they went forward. And um, the the international break, we've we've you know we've. It's been clear from the last, well, basically two and a half years of Farker's reign. Um, an international break is a cheat code for Farker. We are traditionally really strong off the back of them. Um, and the only reason that there was a slight blip um, on the Preston game was that, well, the international break was still going on because we were still traveling back from it the day day before. So if you kind of count today as the, sorry, last night as the proper first day back, um, first game back when everyone was available. Um, I actually was talking to to an Arsenal fan that I that I work with in their day job, um, and and I, I sort of realised that actually I think that's the closest last night we've come to picking a, a full a full strength eleven. 
if you go back over the over the the piece, there's always been uh, someone's head turned early in the season, or a couple of people maybe on on the periphery or being left out because their heads were turned with the transfer market. And um, someone suspended in ME. Um, you know, we've had uh, uh, Gibson out at short notice before. Obviously, Gibson was out last night, but then I'm about that he played so brilliantly on Friday. I personally looked at it and went, oh, full-strength team. Although, hang on a minute, there's a lad player making his second start. But he was so accomplished in what was a really tight game on Friday at times, you know, with, when we didn't have the ball, that I, that I had full confidence in him. And uh, actually, I think you made a really good point, Pump, when you were talking about um, Buendia and Cantwell. I think Dowell, uh, who I wasn't as hot on as... as well, I think a lot of people are in the same boat. You know, injury played season, didn't took a long time for him to get his chance again. We weren't one hundred percent sure what whether or not he he would come come good, and I I think that combination of that three behind Pookie, I mean, what a front four they are! I mean, they just complemented each other so well. And Lee Hendry, who's covered a few, done a few games for Sky for Norwich, he's always talking about the movement, and likewise Holt Eels always talking about about the movement and how difficult it is to mark um, the way Norwich drift in off the off the wings, the the the, the wide guys of the the front three, or the, the three behind Pookie. Um, and last night they complemented each other so brilliantly, just interchanging and just drifting in and out. And I thought Dow was a massive part of being able to let Campwell push and press as much as he did. I mean, it was just they were a night. They Huddersfield ran into a nightmare last night, wouldn't you say, Punt? They just ran, they ran into the best team in the league in incredible form. Yeah, and I think Hannah makes a really good point actually about the performance at Preston being really really good as much as you know she she didn't see it she's given an excellent account of it so her dad's clearly well versed in in everything Norwich City um I thought we were we were almost you know kind of good enough to win the the game at, at Deepdale three or four nil and it almost felt like that pent up frustration at, at the last minute equaliser or the you know kind of the not even last minute, it was almost like overtime equaliser that they got, which was beyond the um, the extra time. It just felt like, right, we're going to have to go out and do this again. And just from from the, the get-go, they were they were completely on it. I do think it, it might have been a little bit of a freak that we've scored that many goals and been that clinical because we haven't been that all season. And that's it's clearly, you know, quite obviously... Yeah, it's the really most cost clinical us, hasn't it? All season. <laughs> yeah, well, but... <laughs> It could have cost us, you know, kind of next season. I think that's the area that you'd look at it from an outsider looking in and go, you know, if our, if our good friend Andrew Lorne was, was on the podcast, he'd be talking about XG and Norwich had up until recently underperformed um, against their XG quite significantly. And it was really only the fact that we were keeping it really, really tight at the back, which meant that we were such a force. We've really improved on that now. Well, coupled with the fact that defensively, I mean, I think we're the second best defence in the league and we're now second top scorers. We're only a couple behind Brentford who who seem to be scoring for fun. So we're kind of arresting that issue. And, and it does, as Hannah's kind of said, it does feel like we're building that momentum. It does feel like, you know, we are that immovable object that, that is just going to bulldoze their way to the championship title now. Um, so, yeah, bring it on. Yeah, but, you know, as for um, goal difference and, um, and goal scored... Um, you know, we're still a couple behind Brentford, but but you know, from a goal difference point of view, we're now ten ahead, um, and so you, we're starting to get into the realms of that. That's almost like a point difference as well, um, just six ahead of, of Watford at the moment. Um, so Paul, on you know, just to kind of wrap up that review of the last few games, um, 
let, let's let's touch on on Omar Daily. Just incredible first hundred and eighty minutes in a in a Norwich shirt. I know he's had a, a, you know appearances before that, but I mean full league starts where you know all eyes are on him. There were a couple of times he bailed out other people's bad passes. A couple of times he filled in when when Hanley went to to kind of bail out someone else's kind of mistake. I thought he looked like well, what should we start the bidding at thirty five mil? <laughs> at least, at least, yeah. I, I, you know, I often think that in this situation, the measure of how good a player is is um, uh, how calm or tense Chris Gorham's voice is in his country <laughs> Very good, yeah. with that particular player. Um, and all I've heard Chris Gorham say is just is just how good he is, how calm he is, how he just looks like he's been there for way longer than two games, um, and he really does. And he's not, you know, you kind of. You look at him when when you see the sort of uh, headshot photos of him, and you think, "Oh my God, he's you know he's he's so young." But actually, you see him; he doesn't look small compared to other players. He doesn't look like a kind of thin, strappy eighteen-year-old. You know, uh, he just fits in. And I mean, you know, my God, who better to have beside him than, than Grant Hanley, um, who is my player of the season, by the way. But um, but uh, but I just think I I think the lad, uh, as as I'm sure we can call him has just been immense and what brilliant experience this will be to see out the next six games, um, hopefully conceding very few goals um, and winning the championship. I mean, that 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 will stand him in such good stead for next season. That's a fantastic segue, Paul. Um, so on to the permutations of winning the, the aforementioned championship. <laughs> um, I, I, I predicted um, a couple of pods ago that I thought it would be the Watford game where we both sealed automatic and the title sadly it looks like i'm going to be wrong and we're probably going to wrap it up before that so this saturday um depending on what brentford and swansea do it could be it could be all over if we avenge our <laughs> shocked defeat to derby um but back when when rooney wasn't even a manager um and then uh, a good free kick though and then uh, if not it will be the following saturday against bournemouth um, so effectively, unless unless the Brentford and Swansea pick up six points from the, for the next two games, or, or Norwich falter, which let's have it right, doesn't look particularly likely to happen, then yeah, week on Saturday night we will be celebrating celebrating that, and then again, depending on what Watford do, it, it looks very likely that as long as we avoid defeat against them, that will probably be enough to to mean that we've we, we get the title com- confirmed and wrapped up. Um, what, what can possibly go wrong, Hannah? Oh man, um, I don't even want to go anywhere near this question because I'm afraid of speaking anything into existence. I mean, nothing. Surely, surely nothing. I mean, not nothing, but I can't see enough going wrong. Well, the, well, the one thing, the one <laughs> you thing know, you it would have say, to be a pretty dramatic. Yeah, the, the one uh, thing we did say, which I just what, can't see happening. It was the centre backs. We said, well, well, if, if yeah. we lost Gibson, or if we lost a couple of centre backs, and then, then yeah, no, apparently, I'm Daly's amazing as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, what I would say about him, I think he, I think he is great. What I saw of him yesterday, I mean, he just looks so calm, um, and his positioning is great, and he's got a bit of pace as well. You know, he's able to kind of get cross and mop things up, and I think he's he is going to be brilliant. But he is only eighteen, and I was seeing some Van Dyke comparisons, and I just, you know, yeah, he's I better think than that. maybe I think we should, <laughs> I think we should maybe just dial it down a tad, um, because inevitably, you know, he's young. Like inevitably, he's not going to have a game like that week in week out. Something will happen. He might do, you know, have a bit of a rick, and I just think we should all be prepared for that and not 
you know, not then think, oh, well, he's not as good as we thought he was. It's going to happen and that's fine. It happens with young players. And, uh, you know, I think we should just, just, just all calm down a bit about him maybe just let him let him get on with it <laughs> give him praise when you know when he's deserved it which he has but yeah I just you know two games I think we need to hold our horses a bit do you think that he's maybe benefited a bit from um the fact that he had to make so many trips with the first team maybe ahead of schedule punt because we had the so yeah, we had all those injuries and um, there were a couple of defenders weren't fit to the start of the season. Then a couple of defenders went out, and you know we had that run of times where we had a, a bench full of absolute youngsters. Um, so actually, maybe he is even further along than he would have been in terms of particularly the confidence side of things because he's effectively been with the first team squad almost the whole season, right? Yeah, I mean, and this lad must think that his his luck is absolutely in because I'm, I I remember I, I chatted to. I can't remember if it was it was it was either Neil Adams or someone around the club, and it was almost like who's the next cab off the rank, and they were very much of the opinion that it was going to be um, Akin Fememwo or Fememwo, however you say that. Anyway, um, they were really rated him. I mean, clearly, you know, kind of was well regarded at the club. Seemed to be having a really good loan spell at, at Charlton prior to a couple of iffy injuries. Um, and now Omabamadeli is potentially, you know, kind of usurped him in the in the fourth choice centre back stakes. So he's really he's grasped his chance, and he, as as you guys have already said, he looked so composed. He visibly, I thought, grew. He looked taller, you know, kind of in the second half last night. It almost like you know he he'd kind of grown three inches because he'd completely come out of his shell, and the passes that he was playing he was playing out of defence were slightly more expansive whereas you, you could see you know prior to that um you know he was keeping it simple and he was probably under instruction to keep it simple but the fact that he'd started stepping out and and he'd you know progressed the ball into the midfield you know kind of with a bit more zip or a bit more purpose or you know kind of he was he was looking at um you know kind of different angles for passes you just think this kid's got it and and it, you're right it will be because he's he's been around the first team squad he's been exposed to that and some young players absolutely thrive in that environment. And some young players who perhaps are really highly rated, um, maybe, you know, kind of don't flourish as as we'd thought they might. Like someone like Josh Martin, for example, who we all had really high hopes for this season. And he maybe just hasn't kicked on because of the form of others and the fact that, you know, he hasn't had that many chances. But when he has, he hasn't necessarily, you know, kind of made the shirt his own. Whereas Ahmed Bamadeli could have a legitimate claim if if Zimbo came back to fitness, you know, kind of in a couple of weeks, which he probably won't, but he could. Um, you know, I, I think he would keep his place, you know, and rightly so. So, what, what did what... you think about the um, the on the pitch coaching Pep style from from oh, I love at it. the end there? I loved it. <laughs> it fan. was just properly like Tom mentioned in the WhatsApp. I'm not calling you out here, Tom, but you know, he mentioned in the WhatsApp group chat that um, he thought it was Farker playing to the cameras. I just I didn't buy that at all. I just think it was Farker just grounding him, just saying you've had a really good couple of games, but I'm going to bring you down again. I'm going to pick you up on a couple of bits, you know. And I just think it was, it was pure Farker, and Farker is brilliant at making sure that those young lads don't get ahead of themselves and don't think they've made it until they actually have made it. Um, so now I thought it was great. Yeah, he, he, Farker is also brilliant at making sure things like that get picked up. Um, it, it, it's it, we don't know what was said and we don't know how well it went down with the player. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I skew a bit cynical when it comes to, to to that kind of thing. And um, realistically, 
he can quite easily take him aside in a tunnel afterwards. He can quite easily take him in a side in the corner of the dressing room if he wants to. Um, you know, I, I think that's, I think it was a deliberate thing to go. Yes, yes, I'm, I'm the guy that's overseeing this great footballing team. And as I said to you in the WhatsApp chat, after being, after being cynical about it, fair play to him. Like if, if he wanted to basically whip off his Parker and show that he's got one of our Farkball t-shirts on, then fair play. Like he has earned the right to do that. He's just won seven nil on, on Sky, right? Playing his style of football. So he, he can pretty much do what he wants. But yeah, I, I don't know. It, part of me felt a bit for from Bamadeli because I thought we haven't done a great deal wrong. And now y- you know you're on Sky. You know there's loads of people watching. It's not a sort of game that people are turning off because it's seven nil. So people want to see the reaction. They want to see the, the highlights. And also we can't go to the pub to celebrate it. So, you know, I don't know. Personally, I, if I was him, I'd, I'd be like, all right, all right, Gaffer, appreciate it. But do we have to do this now? Like on, on with all the cameras walking around us? Because they're not exactly subtle, those steady cam guys on the pitch after a, the final whistle, are they? They go right up and they know they're there. So I don't know. I, it made me feel a bit funny. What about you, Hannah? You asked the question. Did you did you think it was, you mentioned Pep, which is high praise. Well, I mean, that's just a classic Pep move, isn't it? He's definitely done that before. Um, I think it's probably a bit of both. I agree with both of you, I think it's it probably was you know he did want to he spotted something and he he did want to uh take the opportunity to give him a little you know bit of extra coaching and an extra kind of immediate lesson but I do I mean he's he's clever Farker like he is and he knows his he knows what he's doing when he does things in public and when he says I think we've said this before I can't remember who but I'm sure one of you has said that he's you know in um press conferences and things he he chooses his words carefully and he, he chooses his message carefully like when he called that um adam Eder earlier in the season uh in fact that was after huddersfield wasn't it and i think he's kind of said i wanted more for him in training and and then he scored and he sort of said well you know look there you go <laughs> that worked so i think it was a bit of both i think he, he knew exactly what he was doing um but I don't think it was necessarily sort of disingenuous or um, performative exactly. But I think he just kind of, he took his, he saw an opportunity and he, <laughs> he took it. Um, from a positive psychology. I don't psychology. hate it. I don't hate it all. Yeah, yeah. From, from a positive psychology point of view, I, perhaps perhaps he just wanted to get it out of the way there and then because he knew that he'd have a squad of absolutely buzzing players that he didn't want to get in the way of once they got in the in the dressing room. Yeah, this, yeah, quite possibly, and and as I say, he, he might might have had a really really good point, and it's it's not to be negative. It's you know, it, it's I wasn't gonna. I wasn't going to bring it up purely because I didn't want to seem like I was being critical, <clears throat> but, but yeah, as, as sorry, as, mate, no, 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 as in, I wasn't yeah, going to bring bad. up, no, no, <laughs> not at all. No, cause I think it is, it's an interesting talking point and I certainly wasn't the only person who, who was given, putting across that, that uh, opinion. It was, you know, it was sent to me as part of a conversation. Um, but I, yeah, I don't, um, I don't. I don't think we can be in any way critical of of, of any, any element. I mean, you know, an old favourite of ours is is Farker's use of subs, and I probably would have made them a bit earlier even last night. I mean, I was just thinking, well, the second Pookie puts that penalty in for his third, off he comes. <laughs> what are we? What are we doing? He's, he's got. You know, does he need to play a single second more? Let's have Hugel on. Um, but yeah, delighted for Hugel to get his goal. Delighted. What you talked about the embrace between them, um, uh, uh, Emmy and Toddy. The embrace between uh, the snooded warrior Hugel and and Pookie at the end of the game. You know, it just we've you know we've been we've seen teams 
win the league a lot in the second flight as Norwich fans and get promotion together. And you you can tell the difference, I think, between those who where there's a there's a strong group and a good mentality because you can't get success in a team sport without that. And then you can tell the ones where there is and then there's something a little bit extra. And somehow, and this is you know the coaching team, you have to take their hat off to them. They have managed to recreate that really similar feeling of us against the world, all pulling together mentality with a bunch of players, loads of whom were in the Premier League and losing, what was it, a million games in a row they lost at the end of last season? So to manage to mould that team again, to make them hungry again, to go Saturday, Tuesday, four more years, unbelievable. I want to talk about something that was kind of mooted as uh, on, on the analysis after the game. thought, you know, pundits were, were great in the studio last night for, for Sky Sports. Emmy Buendia, do you think there's any chance we can build around him and keep him, Paul? Just throw, throw you know, break yes. the wage, wait, break the wage bill, and just say we will pay you that superstar money, and we'll build around you. Mm. I, I, I really, I really think we could. Um, I, I, and I think there is a specific reason for that is that we, as Norwich fans, just the same as many other fans of medium-sized clubs like our own. Uh, we build our own players up and we believe that they could go off and play for Man City or Barcelona or whoever it is. And I think uh, I think with a few exceptions, that's never going to happen. Max Ahrens is possibly that exception. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I think there are lots of Emi Buendias in the Premier League and, uh, and across the top teams in Europe. Um, and I don't think that uh, he will be bought by one of those top teams. Possibly Arsenal, but they're no longer a top team anymore. Sorry, Arsenal fans, but you're not. Um, I don't think so, we have many Arsenal listeners, mate. You're fine. <laughs> That's fine. Um, but I, but I genuinely believe that um, if he's happy here um, and we can afford it, and we've budgeted it for uh, for it, and I'm sure Weber will have had that conversation many times with people at the club, uh, Stuart Weber. Um, I think we could do it. You know, you t- you talked about the tightness of the team. You know, we saw it under Worthy. We saw it under Alex Neal. We saw it two years ago. There is a tightness in that team that you don't often see. And when you see it, it's successful. And there's something about our club when that happens that it's really magical. And I wouldn't be surprised if Emi Buendia actually sits and looks at this and thinks, I could be a superstar at this club for at least another couple of years. And this time we can do it properly. So why not? I think that's a really, really good point. And I, I, yeah, I, I could, I had it in my head that Max and Emmy are, uh, and Toddy are in the see you later club, like just absolutely no chance of keeping them. But actually uh, part of me thinks, and part of me does think this with, you know, we, we do get told this when we talk to, to, to the players, it does make a difference when they've just had a young family. Uh, and they've just they've just been through a pandemic, and he's just had his second one, hasn't he? Um, and you just think, is now the time to up and change? You know, there's another transfer window in a few months' time. Shine again in the Premier League, set up a whole a whole bunch of new assists, and unless there is that perfect move, why? You know, I mean, let's have it right. Let's look at a player who wasn't involved last night, Mr. Pritchard. I mean, he's you know not fit to lace the boots of any, but I mean, at the time he. he the assumption was he was going to get back to that kind of Tottenham kind of level. You know, he, the assumption was his career path is going great. It's very quickly can be changed. And you feel that if he had an agent or a manager or the people around him that were going to usher him out of the door or, 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 ha- or not be a good influence on him, he probably would have gone already. Um, so, 
so yeah, I, I, I don't know. I can't help but think he might stay. What do you think, Hannah? I agree. I think I'm kind of, I've got increasingly optimistic about it. I think partly because of what you have just said about his family and kind of putting down roots here. Um, I'm not sure if I agree with Paul that he is interesting in the top teams or couldn't go to a top team. I think he probably could. I mean, maybe that's just my, you know, yellow and green tinted glasses on. But he, I mean, he has been incredible this season and people are saying, you know, one of the best players the championship's ever, ever seen. And, uh, and the stats bear that out. I think his performances bear that out. Um, and I, I don't really see why he would. I mean, I guess the price maybe is the only reason why he wouldn't, uh, a top team wouldn't go for him because we maybe want more than they're willing to pay. But well, how much would it um, be now? Because so, he's, he's a Premier League player I mean, again now, right? So how much would that be? Yeah, I, mean, if, I don't if, know. If, if, if Godfrey is, you know, got, you know if, we, if we're asking for 25 to 35 for kind of really good British you know, defenders, even with the English um, kind of extra tax on there that we play for young English talent, this guy creates and scores goals. And, yeah. and he has done it the Premier League in a rubbish team and hopefully he's going to do it in a slightly less rubbish team you know, coming forward. He will be a Premier League player, so they won't be able to say, well, you get to play in the Premier League. So that mm-hmm. kind of card is taken out from him. What is it, 40, 45, 50 million? Yeah. Is that, yeah. I honestly don't think that's more than we could expect for him. No, I I think that's totally reasonable. But, you know, as to whether at the moment in this current market, teams are willing to play that for a player from the championship, I, I just don't know if that's going to happen, I think that's which, the you point. know, works in our favour. Yeah, I think that's the point because I, I think you're right. And it's not just yellow and green tinted spectacles. We we can see what effect he can have on a team. We can see how he can pull other people up to be to his standard. Um, and, and we've seen what impact he can have on a game. So we know that you've got to be an incredibly special football team, you know, probably top two for him not to be playing at least in 65, 70% of your games and making an impact um, during, a, during a Premier League season or you know, La Liga season or whatever. Um, however, I think spending that kind of money, spending the amount of money that Norwich would demand be spent would be seen probably as a bit of a lack of ambition. Oh, we've bought him. Like, I know he's good, but no, we're Man United or we're Arsenal. We're, do you see what I mean? Like, I almost feel that they would be almost, maybe not Arsenal because they're, a, they're slightly better conditioned to, with, with Wenger still just about in the background, um, to, to, to buying slightly cheaper and having a few prospects that come good. Um, Although they're kind of they're losing that culture a bit now, um, but yeah, I, I think that's always that's going to be the issue for Emmy. Whereas Toddy, he, I, I don't know, it, it may well be another, like, similar to what happened this summer, just gone, where we say we're going to cash in big on one, and that helps us keep the other two. And if and if we get what thirty five for for Max, maybe we say to Emmy, ten percent of that's your wages, son. Do you know what I mean? Maybe we just we say we just say to everyone, look. Um, we are going to break. We are going to slightly break break our wage structure. Um, because let's have it right. If we have Emmy in our team, we've got a damn sight better chance of staying up and establishing ourselves in the league than if we don't. And most players, seriously, they must think, "Oh, I'll happily earn fifty grand a week less than Emmy because he's going to make me look good." What do you think, Pont? Yeah, I mean, I th- I think I I am inclined to agree with Hannah that I don't. And disagree with Paul, I think, in that respect. I don't think there's that many Emmy Buendias around. He is a ridiculous talent, and I don't think I've seen the likes of him. Well, we've said it on this pod before. In terms of pure talent, we haven't seen the likes of him at Norwich City, in, certainly in my lifetime. And I know, you know, there'll be older listeners who 
potentially might point to someone like Martin Peters, but you know, Emmy is is just crazy, you know, talented. And I think the thing that our saving grace, I think, over the summer was perhaps the the question marks over his attitude, you know, and, and actually two red cards um this season, you know, kind of suggest that there is something in that. Um, he gets kicked a lot, so I'm not surprised that you know that, that he's retaliated um, on occasion. But it also plays into what Hannah was saying as well that the money just ha- wasn't sloshing about, you know, that last summer or or in January uh, as it had done in previous years. So it really played into our hands. And and I mean, I was we, look, let's face it, we were all sure he would go in the summer, and then actually it, it would have been much more difficult for Norwich to to mount the kind of championship challenge that that we have. Um, but now we're there. I mean, he's given interviews saying you know, he just wanted to make sure he was a Premier League player next season. And Premier League rather than La Liga or Serie A or, you know, kind of Bundesliga. Premier League was where he wanted to be. Norwich City can offer him that now. And they can offer him, you know, playing 100% of the time as a linchpin of a side who hopefully will go on and, and be better, um, you know, than they were last time out. So I think there's every chance. I think, as you've just said, Tom, Max for me is a cert he goes this summer you know he's he's almost done the club a favour in in staying this season he's seen us back to the Premier League I think he goes with everyone's you know kind of best wishes and he probably goes to a Champions League club and you know you're not going to begrudge a Norwich player going to a Champions League club I think that's the only way that that Emmy will be extracted out of the equation as well is if it is a top 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 club yeah absolutely but Hopefully, you know, we've all got to pray that, that we push the boat out a little bit and keep it because we keep him for even, you know, kind of a season, 18 months. His value doesn't diminish. Like, no, there's no doubt about he's that. So young. Injury aside, he's so you know, young kind of it's, how, it's going to go up. Just, yeah, absolutely. Just, like, he, he's not even hitting his prime yet. You know, you look at what De Bruyne is doing and you think, you know, how much of an effect he has. And you, you, whenever De Bruyne is not in the City team, the difference that makes, um, you know, he is, I think. When he, when he goes, um, it it's it's. I was thinking about this in terms of you know disappointment, and I mean I was really emotional when Wes when it was you know time to say goodbye to Wes in an orange shirt, um, because he'd been incredible for such a long period of time, and and I, I think he had he was the most technically gifted player I'd seen until Emmy turned up, um, and and yeah, Emmy has now got the longevity he needed. He's now done it for for another full season of just being the best player on the park most Saturday afternoons. Um, and you know he's just incredible. Um, it, I'm going to be really, really upset when he goes because he, he he will take with him. And I've got, especially if we can hopefully secure Weber and Farker for a bit longer. Um, you have faith now in the club for getting a new favourite and darling that we're cooing about in a, on, on a podcast in a couple of years' time. But um, there, a little bit of magic will leave the club when he's not there anymore and he's he's just he's such a maverick he's such a uh, imaginative unpredictable precocious style player and one of the, one of the things that I thought about when I heard this you know best player in the championship ever etc and saw that kind of debate on social media today there's people throwing out Merson and, and Tarat and I think Tarat is the best championship player I've seen at Carrow Road in it in that was when that QPR team were really romping back to the Premier League um and it, I think he actually came on a sub I mean, he's played going two or three times at Carrow Road but I remember one particular game I think he was bought on a sub and just basically changed the game in 20 minutes because he was just unplayable Emmy's kind of got that swagger that 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 not all brilliant players have, but he—he's—it's almost like he knows when to use it. Like he knows when to do a silly outside of the the, the boot kind of 
twist and turn and, and when to just play a quick pass like that one he played Pukki in. You know, he knows to just get his head up and play that fast, amazing ball down the channel to to, to play Pukki. And he, he's not so fixated on, can I do a skill here? Can I do something clever? That if he were, he would have missed the opportunities. You see what I mean? So that that's why I think the value is, is, is astronomical and why, that's why fingers crossed we keep him. That's why I'm underselling him a bit, if I'm honest, because I really want to keep him. He's so, so good. And I can't help thinking like, you know, when Lambert left the club, when Paul Lambert left the club, at a point where we were so ready to kick on as a club, uh, and I still haven't got over it, and I don't think I ever will, um, you know, and, and you've seen it with players before. I just can't help thinking, you know, watching that game last night and watching how good they were, how good would it be if Emmy was to turn around and say, do you know what, I'm going to stay. I'm going to give it at least a year, maybe a good couple of years, and I'm going to help build this team and make it a club that stays in the Premier League. What effect would that have on, firstly, the players around uh, the, the club at the time? What effect would that have on other players thinking about coming to the club? It would be extraordinary. And I just wish for once that one of our talents we could genuinely hold on to and start building rather than having to go back to uh, to square one uh, and worry about where the next one's coming from. I think if you think Go about on, Paul, love that. If you think <laughs> if you think about that that front four that we talked about and we cooed over, um, you made a really good point there, Paul. In terms of we we will need to strengthen. We can't assume those four people are going to stay fit the full season and um, and they're all going to stay in form the whole time. I'd be really really comfortable with all four of them being majorly in our plans going into to a Premier League season. Um, the uh, you know, Toddy has now got all these extra games under his belt and actually flashed some brilliance in the Prem when we were there last time. Um, Dowell has, has shown some you know, really real promise and really kicked on. Uh, you know, I'd want us to bring someone else in to kind of challenge challenge him to make sure that definitely is right. But who wouldn't, you know, your, to your point, your point, Paul, who wouldn't want to come in and challenge Pookie for a Premier League team where you think, well, if I can get a sniff, I've got Emmy setting me up so I accept mm. that Pookie's the hero at the moment but if I can usurp him he's not gonna be around forever he's not getting any younger I've got Emmy feeding me and I've got Toddy and, and and another thing I thought about with regards to this upcoming transfer window and Toddy he's just on that kind of fringe of, of the, the the 21's first team right he's, he started a sub a couple of the games in the most recent tournament so I'm, I'm wondering whether or not again he thinks well look, I'm in the Premier League now Great shop window. I'm probably going to start every week unless I move on. You know, bet, you know we're not, we're not, if we kept on to him, there would be no need to replace him um, because you know he was doing the business in the Premier League and he's just he's got better this year, I think. And, and his pressing, which is so important in the Premier League, if we're going to try and keep playing the way we play, I, I think Toddy will be that. You know, again, I don't think there's going to be anyone in Toddy's ear saying it's time to move because you think, well, no, because I can play 15, 16 games and be front and centre for this team um, up until the next transfer window in January when we'll see what's happening. So, yeah, I, I've really talked myself into keep, keeping everyone, but Max, I'm going to be sad if any of them go now. Um, one other thing I wanted to cover tonight was the uh, VAR questionnaire that was sent round um, because looming in the back of my mind whenever I get too happy uh, and I mean I'm over the moon that we're going to go up I'm over the moon we're probably going to win the league it's, it's it's wonderful the tiny little gremlin in the back of my mind is that we're going to have to put up with VAR again um, so the VAR question that went round did did you all see it and and have, I mean I know you did punt 
how did you how did you kind of find the, the setup of the questions? Yeah, I thought it was okay. I think um, I think the Football Supporters Association were took a relatively pragmatic approach. So they've they've loaded it in in two ways. One to give fans an opportunity to to really say how shit it is. And I mean, let's be fair. You know, you you could you know if you if you're given a free text box, you could you could go on for some time about that. Um, but also, I think they were pragmatic in the sense that they realized that it probably isn't going to be binned for some time and it was and they were almost trying to load the questions to um reduce down the amount of influence that that you know kind of a, an assistant referee um watching from Stockley Park or wherever it may be would be able to have on the game so i think they were quite cute in that respect and i'd encourage anyone you know who hasn't filled it out to absolutely have their say because i can't imagine there's many fans of it out there at all uh, hannah are, are you uh team var I'm not team VAR, no, but I'm not, um, I I guess my attitude towards it is it's not going away, it isn't, we're not getting rid of it, now, you know, the genie's out of the, out of the bottle, um, and, but that doesn't mean that it can't be improved, and I do think it massively, massively needs to be improved, I think there are plans to do that as part of um this kind of process that they're doing to kind of review it and they're getting Premier League clubs views um and I do think there will be some changes in how it is used uh, and applied next season so we'll see if that helps um I generally just uh, avoid it I don't really talk talk about it I don't really because it, I, it's just boring I just get fed up of all the kind of post-match analysis that just focuses on you know oh should that have been a penalty and I just find it I'd rather just not I sort of pretend it doesn't exist, to be honest. That's my um But that was what so, that was, because but last night I, I we just, had seven yeah, seven goals. The seven goals last night and not mm. once did I have that that oh, is it feeling, you know? Mm. All seven mm. times. So the, the first couple Ruben was still awake for, so we were high fiving and you know, over the moon team of Pookie scoring goals and then um yeah, he's a bit he's a bit he's a bit obvious in in, in him being his favourite player. Um, bit bit route one, if you ask me. Um, he liked Mario Francis for a while, but now he's he's all into all into Team of Pookie. Um, <laughs> so that that was great. And then and then, but at no point in, in the other kind of five goals that go in is that kind of nagging doubt or or can I just double check that you know actually was someone's toenail offside? And it, I just really hope that this that this feedback from the questioner just just makes them just change how intrusive to the match going experience. I did think it was interesting that they seem to be very clear on wanting to work out, are you someone who watches it on telly or are you someone who goes to the games? Because I think I think it will be interesting to see the stats of how many people who are on telly are not quite as vitriolic against it as those who are used to being to going home and away. You know, because it, it really, the in-stadium experience is, that's what's so fundamentally different. It's a slightly sort of dumb question to ask, though, uh, at this time when no one's in stadiums, isn't it? And they didn't really make that clear in the survey. So I'm not sure what they're expecting back from that. Um, <laughs> uh, no, they did. They did, though. Did they? I think the wording. They... I think the wording of the question was: um, During a normal season, do you tend to go more than six, less than twenty, or whatever? Do you tend to go away more than once, or whatever? Um, okay. You know, when you've been in the stadium, when VAR has happened, did you? You know. Would you say it was mm. communicated well? I, I thought the wording was was roughly there, but yeah, yeah it, it, it'd be I, I interesting. Look, looking looking at it now, and it and it has asked about the effect uh, of of your experience before doing that. But even so, I think I think the problem 
the problem, and, and, and I think they should be absolutely lauded for, for asking these questions. How far it will go, nobody knows. But but the problem is, is what, until until refereeing and decisions are completely automated, it doesn't matter whether you have VAR or not, because there will always be somebody to blame. And that will either be someone sat in Stockley Park or someone wearing a referee's uniform or a linesman's, lineswoman's uniform, whatever, whatever it is. Uh, and, and that's that's just human nature. That's what we'll do. That's what that's what people on, um, you know, broadcast uh, uh, broadcast programs will do. They will look for somebody to blame. Managers will do that, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, um, uh, uh, yeah, either either just robotize the whole thing and be done with it, because then we're just shouting into the air, and that's fine, you know, or take it away. But that's the that's kind of the point. If because it hasn't taken out that element of human error, because there's now human error on the people working the robots, you think, well, in that case, you've you've spoiled the experience of the game, and you haven't fixed the thing that you were supposed to fix. So you you know it's 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 literally the worst of both worlds. You know you have made it yeah. you've made it a slower experience, and it's more frustrating, and it doesn't flow, and it isn't as exciting, and you've spoiled the the glory of celebrating a goal. Um, and at the same time, you also, it's not like we can say, yeah, but um, it's much fairer now because you never get something that's incorrect because you still get loads of things that are just blatantly incorrect. You know, we've said it, we've said it once, said a hundred times, 20 second limit. If you draw lines, then you go with the, the on-field decision in the first instance. Um, and it should be um, limited to complete black and white things that, that can't be, um, you know, that you don't, like I say, don't have to zoom in or draw picture, draw lines on, on the on the pitch. And effectively, offside should be clear daylight. And and, and you give the, the, benefit of the, doubt to the benefit of the doubt to the attacking team. Finished, done. That fixes VAR. Yeah, I think, okay, going back to what all of you said, is, is the, actually thinking about watching that game last night, you knew every single one of those goals was a goal. And it was lovely, even as a television viewer. It was so lovely just to be there in the moment watching that uh, goal after goal go in and knowing that nothing was going to change. Um, and I love that. And I just don't see how you can, I just don't see how you can make that any better. Let's move on to some listener questions, Jonathan Punt. Thank you, Tom Parsley. Uh, we've had loads of questions in, and I'm very sorry to lots of people who don't get those read out because I promised that we'd pick seven, and then we've been waffling on about the footballs for a, about 50 minutes already. So I think we're going to pick three tonight, and then um, then we'll see how, where we get to. Um, but let's start with Chris Holmes. Hannah, we'll come to you on this one first. It's the final of the European Championships, Finland versus <laughs> the Netherlands. There's a penalty shootout. Timu Puki has the deciding penalty versus Timothy Krull. Who would you like to come out on top? This is one of the best penal- questions we've ever had. <laughs> it's great. I mean, it definitely wins question of the week. So, Chris, like, just get in touch and we'll question we'll of the season. Merge. Yeah. I'm trying to concoct like an ideal scenario where they can both somehow succeed. So, like, maybe Krull saves it initially, and then Timu just taps in the rebound. Maybe it's something like that. Um, but I mean, oh yeah, that would be just heart wrenching to watch. But I would, I mean, I'd have to I have to go with Timu. This well publicised, my allegiance is is generally with him in almost any scenario. But I mean, that would be a tough one. That would be a tough one. Maybe Timu scores the penalty, um, and then just as Tim Cool's about to get upset about it, he finds out that he's actually got Finnish parentage, and he should have been playing for Finland this whole time. So actually, he's just won as well. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. Yeah, we've nailed it. Paul, disagree with Hannah, and give your reasons why. Disagree with Hannah. Okay. Yeah. 
Well, I used to be I used to be a goalkeeper when I was at school, and no one ever trained me, and I always used to get the blame for any goal that went in. Uh, so I'm always goalkeepers union. So Tim Krul all the way for me. Nice. Parsley, have you got any um, preferences? I just, I just told you my answer. <laughs> That's well, the that, best. that was a ridiculous answer, though, let's be fair. Well, I'm a ridiculous human. You are. Agreed. All right, let's move on. We have Josh next, and he asks, would you have rather COVID occurred during the last promotion season instead of the current one? Are you glad we got to witness 1819 as opposed to this one? Essentially, he's asking, which season would we have preferred to have missed as a fan? Paul, let's start with you. Oh, that's such a good question. But um, I can only say from having been to so many games in that last promotion season, I wouldn't swap that for the world. What an amazing season that was. It had everything. Um, This has been a joy to watch on the telly this season. It really has. But that season, I don't know. There's so many things. You know, my son getting to watch um, us come back against uh, Millwall and Forest and saying to me, Daddy, that was the best thing in the world ever. Can we go every week? Uh, you know, I mean, God, nothing beats that. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I second that from, from mainly from the predictability point of view. Um, we didn't know we were going to be amazing that season. Um, we 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 knew what squad we had. We knew who Team Pookie was this time round. You know, we we knew we, we had a fair. You know, we knew that, that as long as we played to mostly the, the sum of our strengths, some of our parts. Um, we we would be at least playoffs and and really we should we should be top two with with the strength of the squad and and the fact that we, all the experience and the players we managed to keep so there was there's a there was a lot more predictability really although you know we you know we hit the front way earlier this season and we could and we you know, won loads of more games same as Paul so some of those some of those memories are the best of 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 being a football fan for me um, some incredible times with some special people and and um, yeah, yeah. Even if I could transfer the people and transfer the times, if the results stayed the same and the pattern of the game stayed the same, there were more bonkers games. There, were, you know, there were more just ridiculous kind of storylines in that season. So I, I, I would have had it this way around. Yeah, I'm with you, and I, I think you know, kind of for, for similar reasons. But it's it, it, the games were you know just crazy, you know, and you, you never really knew what was going to happen when you turned up at Carrow Road when you flick on iFollow this season, you've got a fair idea of what's going to happen. So the unpredictable nature, but also the fact that the bond between the players and the fans kind of grew throughout 1819. So, you know, the flag displays kind of got more and more prominent to the point where we kind of filled the, the Barclay and, and kind of branched out a little bit further from there. And it just, it just, you know, felt like the Barclay properly fell in love with Daniel Farker, you know, kind of towards the start of that season. And then the, the wave started, didn't they? You know, the Olays and just everything about that season kind of contrived to it being probably, well, no, definitely, you know, my, my favourite season of my support in lifetime. Um, Hannah, do you agree? Oh my God, I'm getting choked up here just thinking about it. Um, I, yeah, I mean, to be honest, I think, I don't think you, you can have that kind of hypothetical because I think, a lot of the things that make this season so special and so good part um, are kind of partly down to down to the circumstances. So I think the circumstances that produced the football that we're seeing at the moment, I think, make it pretty special. Um, and so I kind of don't, I don't think we would have had that if crowds, I've, I've sort of written about this, I don't think you can just take an ingredient out and be like, well, you know, we could have had this exact same season if the crowds hadn't, if, you know, crowds were in and if the pandemic hadn't happened. I don't think that's, I just can't 
yeah, I, I'm, I'm not I'm too like uh, rigid and logical to try and come up with that scenario. But I do, I agree. I think that the that season, being able to have crowds in, watching that season, I mean, was really special for me personally. And I think in a way, the fact that we had that a couple of seasons ago makes it slightly less painful that we won't have that same experience this season. You know, the fact that we did have, we were all able to, to celebrate, we were all able to be there. I got to go... Um, for that Blackburn game which I'm really grateful for and then I came back for the parade as well and all of that stuff and I think the fact that I was able to do that um slightly lessens the blow that we won't have that this time around because I think if it had been a really really long wait in between you know promotions or in between um titles and this was the first time that we'd done it in you know years and years and years and it would have been really really uh painful not to be able to celebrate that properly so yeah i think this is definitely the the best way around there you go. but i don't well, think it could have happened any other way no i'd agree with that <laughs> if you see what i mean i do absolutely let's have one more question then this is from our our good friend matthew mcgregor and he asks rather cheekily if it meant we could keep emmy campwell and max for at least two more seasons would you be comfortable with norwich being bought and owned by the arizona state pension fund <laughs> paul <laughs> no i wouldn't i just look what's happened down the road today our friends in ipswich being bought out by some people from america and it just fills me with i don't know distrust distaste all of those kind of things i don't know i i, I no, i wouldn't i i, I would i I just feel, you know, going back, going back to what you said about that season two, two seasons ago, our promotion season, the sense of togetherness that the club had, um, you know, very much down to uh, Tom and John and uh, you know and, and others, you know, that is something that I've of forty years um, following Norwich have never experienced like that, and I just don't think that we would get that being owned by um, somebody from afar. And I think Delia's right when she says that, you know. Um, and I know lots of fans of, uh, of clubs around the UK and in other countries who um, are owned by, whose clubs are owned by um, people from afar. And very few of them, apart from, say, Leicester fans, um, could I genuinely say that they, they think that it's that it's worked for them. So... That's my convoluted answer, but but no, that's that's I feel quite passionate about that. No, it's a good answer, Tom. What are you saying? Uh, I'm Team Delia and Michael. Um, I I would much rather the angel. I know, I'm not not interested in, not interested in it. I love our model. I love uh, how humble it has to make us. I love how uh, anyone with half a brain cell that follows this football club. Um, understands the model and gets it and knows it's going to be a roller coaster and not only knows it's going to be a roller coaster positively buys into that because it's so much more exciting i saw it put really brilliantly earlier today someone said um you know with, with the people you're going to have your you know your biannual trip up then you're going to get relegated um you know yo-yo club yes yeah, brilliant it's fantastic i would much rather be um, you know, going into a game against Derby and Bournemouth with the opportunity to to to, to get promoted, than scrapping it out with Crystal Palace for a last minute equaliser that means we get to finish the seventeenth. Um, you know, it, it's um, it's just not as in in the Premier League. You know, it's just simply 
not as good just trying to stay up. Um, the number of teams that it's gone wrong for outweigh the number of teams it's gone well for by maybe, I'm just going to do some exact maths here, 90 to, to 10. You know, like, you know, how many teams have had loads of investment and gone nowhere? How many, You've only got to look at the parachute payments. You know, look how badly so many teams who have actually been established in the Premier League a lot longer than Norwich have at any point, they've not managed to use their parachute payments wisely. Money does not exist, does not necessarily equate with success at our level. Now, if you're already a really, really established club and then you start talking oil money or billions, then yeah, okay, that might tip you over into Champions Leagues, etc., like the Chelsea's and the Man City's. But at our level, where you're going from kind of top 26 club, it's not going to guarantee you going from a top 26 club to a top 12 club. And I don't, I, I don't want us to, I want us to get to being a top 12 club our way. I don't want to do it. You know, how amazing is it going to be if? If we can do a four, five, six-year run in the Premier League, and we've done it this way, and we're able to say we, you know, we've basically sold sold sensibly and bought sensibly, and that's how we've kind of eked out this existence in the Premier League for a few years, playing hopefully just the, the Norwich way, because by then Farkas managing the German national team or whatever, and we're on our second manager who's continued that model. You know, that is far more rewarding for me as a fan than. Um, quite, yeah, thank God we had that massive takeover because it meant we could buy those three players and, and then we went on that great run. No, I, you boys have pretty much summed up everything that I wanted to say on that subject. Hannah, do you have anything else to add? Uh, no, I mean, I completely agree. I think that was all bang on. I think the rewards of doing it the way that we are trying to do it, um, even though you know it takes a bit more courage, it takes a bit more patience, but I think the rewards are so much bigger, not necessarily kind of financially or in terms of um, you know, silverware, or whatever, but in terms of the sense of achievement and the sense of togetherness and the sense of satisfaction that you get, um, I think is way bigger than if you just, yeah, got, you know, massive cash injection and um, and kind of bought your success that way. And, and I think the risks, you know, what you stand to lose by something like that, I think um, that's, that's way bigger. I don't think people necessarily realise in terms of, again, not necessarily financial or, um, kind of material but in just in terms of sort of soul and um, the spirit of a club uh, I think that's on the line and I wouldn't want to risk that um, for anything for any money so yeah completely agree the only thing I'd add is because we're talking about our friends down the road and obviously this is a bit of a, a jab at them I'm very much in love with watching um, Paul Cook's post-match interviews because he's clearly he's either got an issue with his voice box which I don't think he has or <laughs> he's shouting at the Ipswich players so much that he kind of goes from really high pitched kind of lost his voice to gruff scouse you know kind of in in the space of milliseconds I think I think that it's is amazing I think that is classic Paul Kirk I think that is just his well I'd his seen it before but it's thing but it's, it's every interview this week. Yeah. Like, so, I mean, I thought it was just like the odd clip that, that that you'd kind of seen on social media because he'd really been having a go at his, you know, the Wigan lads or, or whoever it might have been that he was coaching. But this is every week now that he's having, yeah. you know, kind of need to, to really berate his um his squad. So, no, all power to him. Time for the return of the Along Come Norwich quiz. Uh, Hannah and Paul, you will know that you've got a minute to answer six questions. 
um punt you should also know that given that this is podcast number 74 um now uh, hannah you're going to go first and remember that you can use your passes wisely um so that you actually make sure you get through all six now i will mm-hmm. say um now i don't normally say this but it is particularly uh easy this week so i'm expecting oh. very very don't very don't very preload it with that i can't, I can't believe you just said that uh, so you've all got equal you've all got equal uh, questions uh, you've got some goal scorers and some events from norwich city this season so you should all do well there you've got some um international qualifiers and stadium stuff because we've just had an international break some good old classic um old school uh, stadium names um and a little bit of uh, foreign people in the premier league so with all that set out, you should be well prepared and your time, Hannah, timed by punt, starts. Mm-hmm. Now, which former Celtic and Man City player was the first to score a league goal against Norwich this season? Oh, man. Um, pass. Who scored in the third minute against Wickham at Carrow Road? Uh, pass. Uh, which country that. plays their home qualifiers at the Friends Arena? Oh, that sounds nice. Um, Friends Arena. Don't know. Pass. Who used to play their home games at Booth Ferry Park? Um, I don't know. Uh, name a Frenchman to have played in the Premier League for Everton. Um. Oh, Luca Dean. Oh no, he's like Belgian, isn't he? Or is he French? Yeah, no, he's not on my list. Oh. Um. French Everton. Pass. Who was the last Premier League manager for Leeds before Bielsa? Time. Premier- oh, God. Tom, you shouldn't well, have said it. Well, that was really impressive, wasn't it? Yeah, sorry. Um, I mean, I was teasing. I'm just they- a terrible quizzer. It's fine. Don't worry. They, 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 are, they are tricky, but um, the... Uh, you, there is one in there that you are going to particularly kick yourself for. They are hard. They were hard questions. Yeah, no, it wasn't Pookie, really was it? It was, p- it was Pookie. It was oh, Pookie, yeah. I should have just guessed Pookie. Why didn't I just guess Pookie? I thought well, that was too easy. Well, well I thought that was too obvious. Oh, my God. No, nah, sorry. No, I thought you, you okay. might want to Thank talk. you, though. Thanks for, thanks for trying to throw me that bone. <laughs> yeah. So um, who scored uh, for... Um, it was actually... Uh, penalty, the first goal. Oh, league Scott goal. Sinclair, wasn't Scott it? Sinclair. No, he said penalty, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Sweden play at the Friends Arena. Uh, who used to play at Booth Free Park? Hull is correct. Um, French players. Can I get, try and get French Everton? Ah, oh, I tell you what, I've just seen. I've just seen. You can have Lucas Dean because he is on my can list. I? Yeah, you can. So you got oh, one. Sweet, very good. One. Um, Thank uh, Olivier Decor, Sylvain Distan. Uh, Dakura, Ginolo, loads and loads and loads of them. Sorry, I didn't, didn't see it before. It wasn't enough, but Claudia. So well done. One out of six. Um, uh, can anyone get the last Leeds Premier League manager before Bielsa? Uh, so that would have been 16 years ago. Was it Wilkinson? Howard Wilkinson? No, no, no. David O'Leary? No, no, no. You're, you're getting more modern. Uh, Eddie Gray. Oh, God. Oh, blimey. Wow. Was he temporary or did he... <clears throat> Uh, did he temporary manager or did he kind of take over yeah, caretaker no, he, wise he, and then take him down? He took over and carried on. Um, okay. Okay. Um, so yeah, that was tricky. But Paul, yours are all along the same lines. So, and I think oh, your okay. Norwich, I think your Norwich ones are harder because uh, because <laughs> because I basically haven't named your boyfriend as one of as one of the answers. <laughs> <laughs> right then. So, Paul, your I time. Wish. One, two, draw. Start 
Now, name one of the players booked in the first Huddersfield game for Norwich. Um, one of the players, Amy Wendia. No, who's good guess? Who scored the late winner against Birmingham at Carrow Road? Against Birmingham was Emmy Buendia. No, which uh, you can't guess Buendia for this. Which country currently plays their World Cup qualifiers at the Olymp- Olympiski National Sports Complex? Olympiski National Sports Complex. Finland? No. Uh, who used to play their home games at Elm Park? It wasn't Cardiff, was it? No. Name a Spaniard to have scored a Champions League hat-trick. David Villa. No, surprisingly. Name a South American to have received a Premier League red card this season. South American Premier League. Is this my last question? It is, but we can go round again. Time. No, you can't. Uh, uh, (laughs) One um, again. I think I might have made these a bit hard. Sorry. Um, so <laughs> you'll definitely have mate I can confirm that so the players uh, booked in the first Huddersfield game the reason I picked it is because they're both forwards Campwell and Dowell uh, um, uh, Mario Vrancic scored the late winner against Birmingham yeah I'd have got that of one of course uh, the oh. Olympijski National Sports Complex is where Ukraine are currently playing because um, the, the traditional one is closed because of the war as, it, you know, as, as you do um, come on punt you know this where did uh, who used to play I Elm Park for the last game at Elm Park and um, the Reading fans stormed the pitch and tried oh. to fire us. Okay, so which team was it? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, so as for Spaniards scoring a Champions League hat-tricks, you could have had Raul, Raul um, I was going to uh, say. Gerard yeah. Lopez, uh, Morientes, Lorente, Soldado, Negredo, Lucas Perez. Not David Villa. No, oh, well, uh, that's mean, madness. Yeah. That is absolute madness. I mean, if you check, Paul, there probably will be a record of him scoring that trick. <laughs> yeah, I was I was gonna say, I mean, I wouldn't put I wouldn't put a great deal of cash on me being accurate on this, but um I can confirm that from the site I copied and pasted it from, he wasn't listed. So punt, you've got one to draw, um, and two to be triumphant. Two so often in the history of the Long Con Norwich quiz, two is the is the number to aim for. Have you got a tiebreaker? Um yeah, of course I have. It's the best all bit. Right, all right. Um, your time, which you can do yourself, starts now. Which team was the first to receive a red card against Norwich this season? Ooh. Wickham? No. Who was the first Norwich player to be sent off this season? Emmy Buendia. Incorrect. Who sometimes plays their home World Cup qualifiers at the Teddy Stadium? Pass. I'm never going to get that. Which current National League North team used to play their home games at Feetham's? These are ridiculous, mate. Come on, pass. Uh, they're a former league team. Not former league team. Uh, name an Irish. Shot. No, name an Irishman to win the Champions League or European Cup with Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Irishman. Phil Babb. Uh, no. Uh, name a Dutchman with more than one Premier League winners' medal. Dennis Bergkamp. Correct. Uh, which team was the first to receive a red card against Norwich this season? Birmingham. No. Who was the first Norwich player to be sent off this season? Grant Henley. No. Who's some? Okay, one. So there you go. One. Look at that. So um, the the first team to receive a, a red card against Norwich this season, there was a run of three games in a row with a red card. Rotherham was the first one, um, uh, and then it was Adam Eder was sent off against of course Wickham. he was yeah. Oh, yeah, right like 1994 yeah, 90 plus yeah. 4 just almost forget that happened uh, so we've had the Friends Stadium the Teddy Stadium is Israel which I thought was lovely 
Um, <laughs> uh, I deliberately gave you a difficult one on the, the stadiums because we've done so many now. Uh, Feetham's was Darlington. Um, of course. Uh, so yeah, sorry that was that was a bit na- naughty. So I, but I made up for it with a really easy Liverpool one, which you then got right. So I'm afraid it was only really obscure players you could have no, gone I didn't for. Get, I didn't get the Liverpool one right. No, did ex- I? Exactly because you didn't get these obscure players, you know, like Ronnie Whelan or Mark Lawrence or Steve Finnan, uh, you know, all of these, you know, not famous. You could also have someone called Steve Highway, Michael Robinson, or the guy with the funny name. Um, I think it might be pronounced Callum Kelleher. I thought Phil Babb was a good Kavine, guess. Kevin Kevin Kelleher. Kavine. The goalie. Uh, nice. Yeah, goalie, yeah. Yeah, the young lad. Yeah, Kavine. Cool. Um, and then, yeah, you got you you got Dennis Bergkamp, who's won the Premier League three times. So um, I think that that was, that, that was a very, very good, very, very good effort. I'm sorry that it was so, so difficult. So um, there's an obvious kind of place I'm going to go for the... Um, for the tie break um and the way the tie breaks work is we'll go in the same order and i want an exact number please so the capacity of the teddy stadium or teddy colic stadium hannah how many teddies can you get in the teddy stadium <laughs> this was israel right it is in israel yeah it's uh, um... uh, it's where hapoel tel aviv play oh, i think it's going to be quite big i'm going to go 44,000. Oh, no, I beg your pardon, it isn't. It's where Jerusalem played, but the record attendance was against uh, Hapoel Tel Aviv. So I read that wrong. Uh, but anyway, you've gone 40,000, okay? Oh, fine, stick with it, yeah. Yeah, 40,000. Uh, and then, Paul? I'm going to go for 22,000. Oh, okay, you're going for a little diddy diddy one. So. Mm. Knowing punt, he will split the difference. <laughs> you're going to have to, surely. <laughs> I, will, I will go... Um, 32,000. Oh, he is very good at this game. 31,733. Oh, no, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well done. Um, yeah, so update the leaderboard on the, the website. Um, thank you I so much. I think we should get assists there, me and Paul, for that, to be honest. I think yeah. you should definitely get assists. This is why he lets me go last. So I, you know. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay. Well, thank you very much for joining us and, and chatting away, Hannah. Paul, it's been an absolute pleasure to have your opinions. Um, Punt, I acknowledge that you exist. Now, the next time we speak to you, dear listener, Norwich may well be a Premier League team again. Um, I've got a feeling that, you know, being us, there's probably one more twist in the tail. So we might get to talk to you one more time as a, as a championship podcast. But either way, enjoy the game at the weekend and mind how you go. Mm-hmm.